We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have one of my favorite guests on the show this evening, author, musician, and all-around good guy, Craig Nibo. So Woo! thanks for coming on. Uh, Craig's been on the show before. It's been a while. Um, we've had him on before for his books. So if, if you go back to the back catalog, because we have over 700 episodes or something like that, uh, Allied Zombies for Peace, Bieber's Finger, uh, Shoot Your Friends, and a ton of other things. Um, but we got Craig on the show this evening to talk about uh, a podcast he's working on and some other cool projects he's working on as well. Uh, so we can kind of dive into those. Uh, right now because otherwise i'm just gonna blabber and Craig, i don't want to thank you so much for being on the show really appreciate having you here so tell us about this podcast you have you have a new podcast that you've been developing tell us all about it the podcast is called terrifying lies the terrifying lies podcast it features stories that i have written and am performing with sound production and each episode ends with an original song. Sometimes Ooh. the episodes are one-offs. Sometimes the stories continue for a few episodes. That is fascinating because, uh, yeah, you are a Renaissance man. You, you are amongst the most consummate of nerds that have ever been on this show <laughs> in that you're, you're an author, you're a musician, you're, you're a creative, you're a showrunner. Um, let me, I want to run something by you really quick too, because, uh, all of us gentlemen on the show are of a certain age and and i had this i had this really i had this like extremely strange experience recently so i like podcasts i don't know if you guys knew this or not but i like podcasts and uh but i also like film and i like other forms of media in recent history there was uh, another podcast production house that came out with what they call and i kid you not an audio movie Oh. Now, now this is stupid on so many levels, but uh, uh, only if you know that movie stands for moving pictures, right? Uh, yes, moving pictures. That's exact. That's and you know what? It, it was know. interesting because um, oh, what is oh, what is the name of of the? It's kind of an audio drama. Crap, I'm gonna have to find it. Now. Okay, okay, but see, that's the point. You just said it. It's an audio drama. It's what we used to call a radio drama, right? The right. idea that through through auditory sim, uh, signals, you know, um, through Foley and through mm -hmm. sound effects and, mm -hmm. and through voice yeah. acting, so, you would do this whole thing where the listener would draw the pictures in their head, right? And oh, yeah. So it's, it's, graphic audio, it's graphic audio. So they do an audio book, but their tagline is, it's a movie in your mind. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Okay. But see, to me, this is like, this is rebranding, but not with like the self-awareness of, yes, it used to be. It's not like they went from like Coke to new Coke to classic Coke, right? They, it's, uh, it's almost like they reinvented acapella music using mu <laughs> instruments, right? Like they don't, it's, it, they came at it like it's some new idea. And here's the thing that I'm getting at, okay? I just saw an ad recently when I was doom scrolling on some popular social media app. I saw an ad and I am not joking. They're like, you've heard of podcasts and you've heard of audiobooks. Now there's visual audiobooks. And I'm like, that's a video. That's a movie. That's a series. That's you're not inventing anything new. So so the, I'm going to back up for just a second. The reason I bring this up with you is because you put so much effort and, and you know, focus into your production where you've got music. You've got original songs at the end of every episode. I did not know that till you said it. And that is super cool to me as someone who is not nearly the level of an accomplished musician as you are. I dink, I dink around on things and you're actually like the real deal. Um, that takes so much effort and focus and time. So is your podcast a podcast or would you classify it as something like an audio drama or radio drama or does it have some sort of specification that would give it a more refined definition it's it's a podcast it's a podcast that with serialized fiction and it's an anthology podcast with a new story every other week or a new story that runs for a few episodes there's nothing special about it you put on your earphones you tune in 
I try to get you in the mood with the soundtrack and the way that I try to perform the stories, try to get into them. So, yeah, I'm trying to evoke emotions, but you can evoke emotions in a different way in the audio space than you can in the video space. And I find it just fun. I, I really enjoy doing it. You know, speaking of gentlemen of a certain age, um, hmm. back when we were young gentlemen, uh, there were a lot of anthology uh, TV shows, especially ones mm. dealing with fantasy and science fiction. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's several out there. I don't want to bias my question by, by giving some examples, but <laughs> if you had to compare this podcast to some of these anthology TV shows from back in the day, uh, which one do you think comes closest? Or if it's not like anything there, what do you draw? Which anthology shows would you say you drew inspiration from? I would say... Well, I drew first of all. I drew the I drew the name of the podcast from uh, an anthology that I wrote several years ago, called "Terrifying Lies," and in "Terrifying Lies," I was I was channeling I was channeling Twilight Zone. Rod Serling is one of my oh, right. favorite authors. He was so completely prolific, and I was channeling him even in the commentary that I wrote about the stories. So I would say it's close to Twilight Zone, maybe, uh, and being men of a certain age, you're probably going to appreciate this, but I would also say Night Gallery. <gasps> have you guys watched, have you all watched Night Gallery? Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I was, love anthology series. I like yes. the way that you answered that question because I was going to ask you the question, on a scale from Amazing Stories to Tales from the Crypt, where does your <laughs> anthology fall? <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta go old school. <laughs> Although my stuff can get edgier than Twilight Zone for certain. But even back in its day, in, in Rod Serling's day, a lot of his ideas and concepts were were certainly ahead of their time. Most of the criticism that the Twilight Zone anthology received was because people weren't ready for it yet. Although, in the when they did the remake in the eighties, a lot of his stories were too tame. And they had to be pepped up a little bit. So I, I, if you're pushing the envelope a bit, I think you are following in the best tradition of anthologies. That is so true. And, you know, we're, we're three guys who get together once a week and try to make a show work. And it's a lot of work. We have nine to fives. We have children. We have, you know, families and such. And, and uh, I'm curious, with a show that has a soundtrack and Foley and, you know, uh, what size of a team are you working with? How many people are involved in your show? It's just me, man. Occasionally, Holy okay, smokes. well, there, there is an exception. There are a few exceptions. I recently decided to release an episode. In fact, I probably ought to have one of y'all on this some at some point, but... Uh, every every full moon, every full moon at midnight, I release a special lunar episode. <gasps> That's <And> awesome. <laughs> this is the only time that I ever have a guest on the show. But the guests, so far I've done two. I The guests that I've interviewed, the first one was Victor Frankenstein. Or a very good friend of mine who knows the book really well and came in and did the interview with a Genovese accent. <laughs> oh, wow. and then the second one I did was William, William Dyer, professor William Dyer, who led, of course, the expedition to the Antarctic and, and found the mountains of madness. So it's based oh. on HP Lovecraft's work. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So I'm working on having probably Jonathan Harker will be on there from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, He's up please. coming. <laughs> Hey, uh, if you ever need a Randall Thor, I know a guy. Okay, <laughs> I will. I, I will take you up on it. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure his show would demand a Baalzaman, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so those so, were fun episodes. Yeah. That is a fantastic niche too. Like, like that's that's a really cool. I don't want to use the word gimmick because that cheapens it. I think that's a really cool stylistic choice. Uh, I think that a lot of shows. In general, whether you know we're talking about streaming on Twitch or or YouTube serials or or even you know certain podcasts, I feel like sometimes they get mired down with trying to either do 
they, they try to do too much or they try to do too many undefined things. And I like when a show has a sense of self and identity and has a pattern that the fans can anticipate and look forward to. So that's awesome. You said earlier, uh, I think it was actually before we started recording, mind you, that you're in season one. So how many episodes of Terrifying Lies, Craig Nibos, Terrifying Lies, how many episodes are currently live? There are eight episodes currently alive. And um, due to the fact that it is only me producing them, I run them bi-weekly. So I can't, I just can't keep up with a schedule of weekly episode releases and maintain the quality that I want to maintain. So each season will run 13 episodes. And then of course, every full moon, I'll put out a special episode. And then I plan to take a two month break in between seasons for the foreseeable future. If it really catches on, I I wouldn't take a break at all, except it's, it's just a lot of work. Well, yes. So I need to go somewhere and grab, get some more stories put together and, and come back with them. So that's the schedule I have right now. If it, if it catches on, then that may change. I would love nothing more than to produce more episodes, bring in maybe some actors to play some of the parts. Uh, That's all in the future. Oh man. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm getting to know you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is, that is exciting and fascinating. And I'm super stoked to, I, I didn't know about the show till you brought it on to our show. Now I'm going to go have to. I'm going to have to go check that out. So thank you very much. Hope you like it. Uh, you're aware, uh, Krebs is actually doing the audio recording for my second audio book. So, um, yeah, he's got some talent there. Plus, he's also been in a few movies. I've done a thing or three, but that's uh, that. The point is, I would like to audition for your show. <laughs> well, I, you know, let's just talk afterward because. You're in, you know, if you know, if if you know a work of fiction that you love and you know the work really well, you want to come on and play one of those characters in a midnight episode that I'm telling you, you will love it. Listen to the Frankenstein episode. You'll be like, oh, I want to do this. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. Sweet. So back to the anthology theme, Um, a lot of anthologies. Oh, well. A lot of anthologies have themes. <laughs> they uh, something that that ties all of these stories together. Uh, I recently read some that had some uh, Jim Butcher stuff in it because it was urban fantasy. There was another anthology recently about femme fatales uh, and um, you know forest magic or whatever. So t- describe to us what the common theme is, if there is any, uh, with the terrifying lies uh, anthology. There's no real common theme in Terrifying Lies other than the stories tend to be dark. They tend to be about a person who's experiencing the worst moment of his or her life, how that person handles that moment. Middle school. Totally understand. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, middle school gym class. Oh. It's- <laughs> Climb that rope, kid. Yeah, let's play dodgeball. <laughs> oh, I hated dodgeball. Hey, I was always on the opposite team oh. of the football players, and they yep. hucked the ball so hard. And how about how about having the two jocks be the team captains and picking the team? You know, <laughs> it always ended with the me standing there being the last guy, and one of the captains going, "We'll take Nibo." Yeah, <laughs> and then I would walk of shame over. And join these guys. <laughs> well, I, I, I love the title uh, because in a lot of indigenous uh, cultures where they pass traditions and lessons and morals along through oral stories, um, I, I remember reading about a tradition where the introduction is, I'm going to tell you a lie. This is not ah. a true story. This is a lie. Uh, and then they'll go talk about talking mosquitoes and animals and things that can't obviously happen in the real world. But it was important for them to distinguish between a true story, which is history of their their people, and a lie, which is um, uh, a fantasy, basically. It's a fantasy retelling that usually has a point or a purpose to it. 
Um, and so that yours is called terrifying lies basically means some very frightening fiction uh, coming your way. And so I just I made that connection and I just thought it was very apropos, uh, a great title. My first thought was, that sounds like a great title, but how will we ever market this to the Thermians from Galaxy Quest? (laughs) Deception. (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, I I had a conversation that kind of stems from a conversation I had with another friend of mine years ago, and we were talking about it, and he said, he said something about lying. He said, oh, I might be lying. And I said, well, that's that's what you do. You you lie. You write pages <laughs> and pages of lies and you publish it. And it's all lies. You know, he, and uh, that that kind of stuck with me. So that's how the anthology book got that name. It's like, yeah, it's it's all full of lies. And what kind of lies are they? Yeah, they're lies that are going to they're going to hopefully keep you up at night that are going to cloy a little bit. And you're going to smell them for a couple of days after you finish reading or listening to the podcast. You know, that's a really interesting point. You're looking for something that's going to stick with your, your reader. And I've read some stories that were, were dark and horrific and it was more like, okay, I'm just going to get that out of my head because I don't want to keep it around. Then there were others that just had the oddest thing triggered me. And it bothers me to this day, not like in a psychotic, neurotic way or anything. Just I remember the way I felt. I mm-hmm. remember, and I will never mm-hmm. forget that that story because it disturbed me in a comfortable way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it disturbed me in a way that isn't going to bother me and keep me up at night, but it's going to leave a little mark on on my psyche. So when you're writing these stories. How do you come up with these ideas? How do you, well, how do you recognize the idea when it comes to you? Uh, this is the hook. This is the thing that's going to trigger my audience. And that's the old question, right? Where do the ideas come from? Maybe, maybe I'll talk about an idea that I'm crafting right now. If you don't mind, spoiler on something that I'm working on in my mind. This will be right. featured later but uh yeah the other day i was thinking about (laughs) i was thinking about finding this is this is terrible (laughs) this is terrible but i was thinking about if i was a little boy and i went down by the river after a washout and i found a body a body of another little boy that image Mm. came to my mind i don't know why i don't know where it came from it, it stuck with me and I, and I thought more and more about it until it just, these types of ideas, they just, they unfold in your mind and they, and they take shape. So pretty, pretty soon I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, the boy that he finds down by the river, what if it's his, what if it's his twin brother who, who died somehow as an infant and his parents buried him down by the river and he's washing out. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty scary. How, and then, and then my mind, my twisted mind goes, okay, well, what if when he finds this boy, the boy is full grown and opens his eyes and talks to him. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, what if this boy who finds his brother down by the river, what if they're twins? Right. And his Mm -hmm. twin is alive under the mud. Then I'm thinking, okay, well, what if they both came from abusive parents? And then I'm thinking, what if this boy found butt down by the river wants revenge on those abusive parents? You know, this, these are the kinds of things that twist through my mind. And pretty soon, piece upon piece upon piece, I have a story in my head that I can't help but write. And that is the next story that I intend to write, actually. It's going to deal with just this issue, with just this simple just twisted image that came into my mind. Now, I'm not, I don't think of myself as a twisted person. In fact, some of the, some of the times when I, when I finish a story, it shocks me a little bit, even I'm like, Whoa, that's pretty <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's scary and I like it. So I'm putting it out there, but I think everybody has an image like that occasionally that just pops into your mind. The difference is you, you start developing it and it's, it's almost involuntary. Well, you know, I love ahead. this. I love this peeling back the curtain and looking at the 
uh, sausage making process. I, I remember a couple of years ago, Josh and I were, uh, Krebs and I, were with a, uh, we're talking to a, a female friend of ours that's that's also an author and she had this YA series and now she's into book two and she says here's the synopsis I've got to figure out where to go next how do I one up my first book and what do we do with that we said well what what things do you need to have happen and so we sorry so Josh and I and her started brainstorming these different kind of conflicts new characters that could be introduced in and there were like a dozen different storylines uh most of them she goes no not that no not that but there were a couple of ideas in there and i think that's the way it goes most of the time is that it's just you throw stuff at the wall you see what sticks and the the fun part is the brainstorming it's the what if we could right. do this we could do that here's a story beat here do we want to head this direction mm-hmm. and so hearing you talk that out and say here's all variations on the theme Right. That, I think, is the exciting part of any creative venture, germinating this idea and then putting flesh on it. Right. And I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but uh, as Matai was describing, like, I, I have this feeling that the stories that we tend to tell, the stories that we write, that we put on podcasts, that we make into movies, these stories are already living entities They Mm -hmm. just haven't been spoken into reality yet. They haven't been given form, but they are their own. I'm not sentient. Sentience is not quite right, but it's, it borders that because just like as Matai was describing, as you hear things, you have a sense for that fits that doesn't fit. And it's almost like the story is telling you, yes, that's part of me. No, that's not. Or, and I asked, I asked certain questions of authors because of this reason, There are some times where as an author or as a storyteller, you know, the story has to take a certain turn. It has to go a certain direction, even though it will cost you to do that. It, it costs a character that you love, or it takes the story in a direction you don't want to go, but the story has to go that way. Do you, do you ever, do you, do you agree with that sort of like perspective? Do you have a different perspective? I do. I do agree with that. uh, In a sense that, in a sense that stories tend to craft themselves they don't really craft themselves the author crafts them the the mind crafts them but they do feel that way and sometimes uh if you if you have a problem with a story that you're working on i don't know how to get from c to d in this story but i really like c and i really like d if you just let that stew and you walk around with it and you just live your life one day that one day synapse fires and that gap is covered for you. So I experience that all the time, but you, but in my case, I tend to almost become so fascinated with a story developing. It does feel like I'm a bit of a bystander sometimes, but sometimes I become so fascinated with it that I become distracted. I can't not think about it. It, It's in my mind all the time. I have to force it away in order to do things like get work done because it it, it occupies a large space in my mind. If it's a big enough story, if it's something that I'm excited about. I think there are times where the author is the creator and other times the author is the conduit. Yeah. But I totally agree with you. Like, like these stories don't exist without us. I totally get that. But there definitely feels like there's some sort of resonance, some sort of truthiness to whether something Mm -hmm. belongs to a story or not. That is definitely true. Yeah. Resonance is a good word because you throw the right ingredient into the story and suddenly it sings. Suddenly you have something and you know you do. Oh, I can't wait to write this so that I can have that happen. So resonance is resonance is it. I mean, they have their frequencies and each aspect of the story has its own frequency and you ring the right tone and that frequency is going to vibrate. All right. I mean, now all this talk of free frequency and vibrate. I'm just, I, I'm, it's it. Authors are just giant antennas, and uh, we're we're pulling in the multiverse. That's it. That's it. it. <laughs> We've been in the multiverse the whole time. Yeah, yeah. We're it, just we're just sucking in stories from other realms. I don't know. It could um, be that simple. Yeah. No, I mean, That's, this is one of the great things is with writing. It, like you said, you just grip have an idea you grab a hold of it and it just starts rolling and and developing and it's always something from a simple idea 
and this massive story develops and comes out. And, you know, a lot of these stories that you know, Craig has written, like Allied Zombies for Peace, <laughs> it is fantastic and set during, um, oh, it was a civil rights yeah, march, it was a, right? It was a uh, it was a parade, uh, 1968 Veterans yeah. Day parade, November 19th, uh, Columbus, Ohio. That's where it happens. Yeah. And the entire novel takes place in 42 minutes. Yeah. For those of you who know the significance of the number 42, yeah. I'm sure that's not lost on you. Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, that's the fantastic thing is, I mean, it's a fairly decent sized book. But it's in 42 minutes. I mean, that was most books are stretched out over days or weeks or months. Here but we can't have match the TV series 24. Can you yeah. read it in real time? Uh, it's you, a you, can't. You, you cannot read it in real time. I, well, unless you, I guess you're if you're some, you know, speed reader, maybe. But but yeah, it, it it's it. <laughs> that was my first novel, actually. If you get that novel, I have not revised it. And due to it being my first novel. I think you might enjoy it, but it's self-published. So there may be a few <laughs> few goofs in there, little okay. minor goofs. I it's hope you can forgive me. It's a fantastic book. It's a fantastic book. <laughs> Thanks. Daniel read it in 39 minutes. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, this is I, I, So this is our first time meeting, Craig. You and me, this is our first time getting to know each other. And... Again, you've just it was your first novel and I've never I've never heard of a book that like was very precise with its minute to minute telling of its story. Um, you know, the story takes place in its world in 42 minutes. That's pretty awesome. You have this great sense of identity for for finding mechanisms that make a story that make storytelling interesting, which is why I want to move on to a new topic. You just finished up a Kickstarter for a musical. Yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us about this musical. What's it called? What's it about? How'd it go? Well, it, the Kickstarter just finished up. It barely funded. It didn't do great, but that's okay. The if it crossed the finish line, it crossed the finish line. Right. <laughs> the musical is called Tesla v. Cthulhu. And it <laughs> it is interesting. Uh, how do I sum it up? Uh, uh, it's Elon Musk versus Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's> a, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Three three witches, priestesses of Cthulhu, abduct Tesla because they need to sacrifice a clever man in order to draw Cthulhu back to the earth and turn the whole place into a slavery in a slavery infested wasteland, and they hope to have good stations in his court. That's the story. And kind of like, kind of like Allied Zombies for Peace, the whole thing takes place just in a couple of a couple of hours. Actually, pretty fast. And so the the Kickstarter just wrapped on that. Yeah. And you did get funded. So yeah. what does that mean in terms of turnaround and timeline for production? I'm planning to produce. Well, according to the Kickstarter, I need to produce now. There's going to be a. It's it's going to be available on vinyl for sure. It's going to be available on CDs for those of you who know what CDs are. <laughs> That's where we store uh, MP3s. Right, MP3s. I'm also going to record, and I haven't done this yet. I have written the entire screenplay and the score, at least the score for the vocal parts. If I handed somebody the minus tracks in the script, they could perform this on stage right now. I mean, it's that finished. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I need to pull a cast in and do a dramatic, a dramatic recording of the dialogue parts of it. But the music is finished minus I need to get a couple of other singers in the studio to sing just a couple of little parts of it. But the music, the musical is finished. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to release the musical with just the music that's going on vinyl and CDs. I'm just going to release a digital version of the entire dramatization and I'm not putting the entire dramatization on the CDs because it becomes laborious to listen to the band, the band I'm in, we actually did another musical and we released it that way. And it, it, uh, it is a little difficult to listen to mm. all that. I find myself skipping and just listening to the songs. And <laughs> also I'm going to produce a, there'll be a printed script and uh, a children's book 
there's going to be a children's book uh, a children's variation. book yeah in fact the children's book you can you can live it if you go to the kickstarter you can watch the video and the video is all the artwork out of the children's book yeah. and i narrate the children's book uh with uh, original music so you can actually see what the children's book is going to look like but i'm going to do a sort of a nice hardcover book that you definitely wouldn't want to read to your children <laughs> well that's what i was wondering it's like the night tesla met cthulhu it's a story no, it's, of true and unholy friendship it's not too bad the musical the musical's more of a comedy it's a it's a it's a horror comedy so it's it's lots of fun one really cool aspect of it though is i worked with i wanted to have an element of uh of um how do i say this of i wanted it to feel exotic so I pulled in performers from all around the world to sing on this project. Oh, so nice. there are people from Venezuela. There's an Eastern European in there. There's uh, a lot of people from all around the world, and they're bringing their, their own flair to it and their own non-American accents to the voices. And it really did accomplish that. It really made it uh, – it gave it that quality that sort of not from here quality. So that was a lot of fun. I got to meet several people and work with them all around the world. That was cool. That sounds so, amazing. That's fun. It's a blast. So, so now, um, so this is all going to be done on disc. It's going to be released just as music. There's not going to be like, other than the books, there won't be another visual component to this. Well, I wish I could. If the, if the Kickstarter would have, if, if I had mopped the floor with the Kickstarter, I probably would have launched another Kickstarter to produce it into a movie. But uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Oh, but there oh, will... <laughs> I think you mean video podcast. Yeah, Thank video. You. Yeah, <laughs> I would have made it into a video podcast. So it's just going to be a radio drama at this point. So at this point, that's what it's going to be. But that's all right. I'm moving on to my next project. And I don't get hung up on projects of the past. However, I am really proud of this one. It's fully orchestrated. I think it sounds good. I think people are going to enjoy it. At a certain point, I might re release it as part of Terrifying Lies. Were you the sole composer on the music on this, or did you have some help with the composition? I was the sole, com the sole composer. However, I did bring in some musicians from uh, my circle of friends and uh and some musicians from abroad to also play on it so it's a mixture of digital instruments and then if i needed a really realistic human sounding performance i would hire musicians to accomplish that and in the not so distant past you've also been a board game designer what are the chances that we get a tesla v cthulhu board game or card game out of this it's not a bad idea. Um, Thank you. I'll take 5%. No, okay. I'm sorry. No, just joking. Just joking. Man, I came up with a card idea in one of his games, and I didn't get 5%. What the heck? You need hey, to advocate for yourself, Which card did you come Daniel. up with? Uh, the shields in uh, Shoot Your Friends. Oh, yeah. Shoot Your Friends. Shields. That was, that was all you, man. Yeah. You could be a better negotiator, Daniel. I know. You, you and Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, no, I actually did release... I actually did release a Cthulhu-based card game several years ago. It's called Rites of Cthulhu. So I have played in that space, just like so many of us have. So would you make this like its own standalone game? Would you make it an expansion to Rites? What would you, what, how would you approach this, do you think? I don't think I would make it as an expansion to Rites. I think it could live as its own game. I have no plans to develop a game out of it. I, I, it, if you have a strong enough idea, it can definitely be any strong idea can be developed into a, into a great game. I think you bring this to the company's cool mini or not and guillotine and you turn this into like their next zombicide esque board game. Just saying it would be cool. Hey, do you know anybody over there? I'll give him a call. <laughs> he ought to. He owns so many zombicide pieces. He ought to them. At this <laughs> point, I've got stock in the company. I have to be on the board. I have to be a sh like a, a primary shareholder. Hey, man! If you love something, you got to run with it. 
Yes, and don't let the cops catch you. So yeah. <laughs> the last thing I want to touch on is uh, you also mentioned something before the show. You talked about something called gangrene comedy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell uh, us a gangrene, little about that. Okay. Yeah. For This has been going on for decades. I think we're in our 20th or 21st year. Not sure. But every year we run a comedy festival. And it's called the Gangrene Comedy Festival. Each year takes on a new theme. We've had, among other things that we've had on that stage, let's see, there's been live chickens, luchador wrestling match, we had a <laughs> daredevil motorcycle jump. We had... What was that? The tuba oh, yeah, we had a, <laughs> Mini Kiss was on there. A band, a, a Bigfoot band. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bigfoot band. Uh, yeah, was Sasquatch, wow. yeah. Yep, was Sasquatch. We've had pirates. We've had... I mean, it, each year is a new theme, and we dig deep into the theme. This year, we're doing Spaghetti Western. So, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Annie O'Mara Please Coney. tell me literally spaghetti. I, I need this to happen at some point. Well, check out the artwork. <laughs> I think this, the, the, the catchphrase is, is a fistful of a few noodles more, I think is what it is. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I just have visions of two flying spaghetti monsters standing at <laughs> the opposite ends of the street waiting for high noon. And now we're back to Cthulhu. <laughs> yep. Now everything leads there. <laughs> but we're going to have, we put together a 20 piece, a 20 piece spaghetti Western orchestra. That's going to play the show with about an hour of music. We have some improv guys that are coming. Quick wits is the name of the group. They're hilarious. And our first ever comedy poetry slam is going to happen on stage. Oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be great. This sounds and amazing. Of, yeah. It's so fun. A couple, of short, a couple of short films since at one point this comedy film festival or comedy festival used to be a film festival. Mm. But over the years, it's just migrated into this. It's more a lie. People don't even show up for the films anymore. They have them for years. <laughs> <laughs> Hurts my filmmaker's heart, but that's okay. We're hey, I'm friends. a filmmaker too. Yeah. I, I imagine you are. I'm not surprised anymore. I <laughs> will. Yeah. Well, it's been a while. So, so the Gangrene Comedy Festival. So next, so so Craig is an author, a musician, mm -hmm. yes. a playwright, a podcaster, board game designer. Uh, festival organizer. So next time you come on, uh, I, I expect you to do uh, to have like a few Oscars, some Emmys. You know, uh, we need to have you need to have your architect. You're gonna have to license. egot this now. You're gonna have to. <laughs> you know, have to all four. Yeah. You know, I cannot throw or catch a football. <laughs> yeah. And and now you're the most consummate of nerds. Like this is great. <laughs> This is, you might be the no, king. Really. I'm not sure. <laughs> really, I, all, all of those things you listed are kind of the same thing in a way. And it all amounts to me. It all just amounts, it just amounts to messing around. I just like to mess around. So that's what it is. Classic Craig Nibo mess around. Yeah, you know, there I you actually, go. I actually wanted to ask about that. that I, I, wanted, I was looking for a good point in the podcast, and I guess this is it. So you're obviously uh, a man that's got a lot of interests. There is something I've noticed between the creatives who make something of their interest and who use their talents and those who keep it to themselves or just don't even take the chance. There's that, there's that moment of decision, that defining moment where you said, hey, I'm going to make something and show other people. I'm going to show a lot of other people and I'll see if they want to pay me money for it or, 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 you know, publish it out there in some form, be it YouTube or a podcast platform or whatever. What was it for you? And do you remember what age you were at when you had that moment where I'm going to take my interest and my talent and I'm going to produce something for other people to see? Probably I would say it goes back to, I would say junior high or high school when we got, when we borrowed my dad's video camera and went out and made a whole bunch of bad horror films. Heck yes. <laughs> it's a good start. And a lot of people have started that way. Yeah. Great films like 
blood stain and blood stain too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if they exist anymore, but uh, every creative person who does anything that's worth watching or listening to most likely they have a closet full of crappy stuff like that that they've made in their past because that's all the stuff that you hone your craft on and you hone your passion on. And you can't come right out of the gates and expect to be this polished miracle. It just doesn't happen. But by the same token, you can't just create in a box and not share it. Otherwise, what's the point of creating it all? So I am always encouraging people to share what they create, to at least show it to me because I want to I want to see it. And I get it. I get it. You know, if it's not polished, it's the raw creativity. It's that aspect of things that I really enjoy. It's the passion that people put into something. And, you know, that's what I love. That's that's what I love to see. That's a, that's fantastic. And, it, and it's those wonderful things that are the stepping stones up. I mean, that's right. I oh, man, I, I we made so many horrible movies in, in high school. <laughs> the deodorant of Armageddon. I mean, come on. Gotta, uh, uh, the deodorant of under Armageddon. Thank you very we gotta much. Gotta have a night where we drag all that crud out and watch it together. That would be oh my fun. god! I was a space <laughs> monster, and I was wrapped up in plaid. It was my old plaid shirt from the nineties. Were you set to ludicrous head. speed? Well, so my buddy had this. What <laughs> he had an accent wall, and it was it looked like you were on the moon. You saw the Earth behind, and so we used eggs. You know the the eggshell foam and built yeah. up the, the rock and everything so it looked like we were on the moon and i just pulled it up and i'm sitting here talking to this other guy who has a old old world war ii gas mask on that's his face outfit <laughs> all you need and, and and a and a raincoat a yellow raincoat and he's bargaining with me this monster to get the deodorant of armageddon to save the world it was horrible no oh, dan <laughs> Still that's a better love story than Twilight. That's not horrible. That's every single kind of awesome that exists all put together. That's what that is. All right. I may have to write the story now. <laughs> no, no, no. You need to leave it in its in its like untouched form. Do this I don't even know if we have it. I don't know if we even kept that. Do not oh, George I Lucas this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Krebs has got a couple of videos that I haven't seen in a long time. <sighs> one was the life cycle of a refrigerator light bulb. Yes, yeah. Which I nice. love. The other one is Grandmaster Grandmaster White Tiger. Grandmaster White Tiger. Oh. Are you a martial artist? No. <laughs> you don't That's what be. made the movie great. It was it was directed, filmed, edited. It was it was all created by a, a couple of friends that I have who do have martial arts in their background and they're from uh i want to say they they have a vietnamese background uh in terms of their ethnicity they were amazing filmmakers and they wanted to make this kung fu comedy and so what do they do they go to their actor friend who's like a pasty white guy who has no martial arts experience they're like you're the guy and i'm like if we're gonna make this a comedy let's do it and so, yeah, it's it was it was exactly the right choice. And so, and, yes, and, and Krebs yeah. being pasty white is a very important plot point in the story. No spoilers, no spoilers. Please, please tell me there was audio dubbing. Yes, yes, we we shot every scene mouthing nonsense and sometimes slipping real words in there, right. and then that same night. We watched the playback and voiceover uh, d- did ADR on everything like a bad dub. Nice. Oh, man. That is cool. That I, is just it, cool. It, it is a piece of art. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, I would be getting the popcorn and sitting down for that. <laughs> oh, there may yet be a day in the not-too-distant future. But all it would be fun. So, all right. So... Just, I just, do know of a film festival that might play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't you hear it's not even a film festival anymore? And it's westerns, not easterns. They've still shown some. <laughs> we do still show stuff. Yep. Well, we'll have to we'll have to have a talk. Don't worry, there's after the show. 
Okay. So so just to kind of put a put a bow on it, the Gangrene Comedy Fest- Festival that once did films and might do it again, maybe we don't know. Uh, yes. When when does the Gangrene Comedy Festival happen? It's September 9th, Friday, September 9th, 7 p.m., Layton, Utah, at the Ed Kennelly Amphitheater. Will any of this be streamed live on Twitch or YouTube? Can this be joined virtually? We won't. We don't stream anything. We like people to be in the seats. Um, we do film the. We do film the show, and later we do put out some highlights. In fact, you can you can jump on. The name of the band I'm in is called the Rust Monster Band. You can jump on the Rust Monster Band uh, <laughs> YouTube channel, and you can catch some clips of of some of the stuff that's been done there. And awesome. it's 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 pretty fun. That is that is fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, a blast. Craig, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. I'm super duper excited. I'm a horror fan, and I am so excited to check out Terrifying Lies, your podcast. Uh, I want to listen to all eight episodes, uh, and i i am I am horrifyingly interested in what Tesla versus Cthulhu the musical sounds like so i'm definitely checking these out thank you so much for being here it was a pleasure getting to meet you sir you bet and what what an honor it is for me to meet you guys thank you so much all right so real quickly uh where can the listeners find these podcast episodes you can find the terrifying lies podcast on whatever podcast player you're using most likely it's available through apple Podcasts or spotify uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon music. So you can pretty much find it. You can find it pretty easy out there. I'm finding okay. it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just dial it up. You can also listen to some of the episodes are available even on, on, uh, YouTube, uh, on the Craig Nibo YouTube channel. So you could listen to them there. Yep. Terrif- yeah, Craig it. Nibo's terrifying lies. Yep. And subscribed. And if you don't like it, your money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find terrifying lies wherever podcasts are sold. All right. right. So before we, we we take off, are we going to have a lightning round? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. Craig, I am so sorry. I should have prepped you for this before the show, and even I forgot, and it's my thing. Thank you, Daniel. That was awesome. Craig, at this point in the show, we like to put our guests through a little lightning round. It's nothing too terrifying. You don't have to study up for it. I'm going to ask you a few questions, mostly off the, cu- off the cuff, off the top of my head, and I just want you to give me the answer that comes to you first. You don't have to give it that much thought. Is that cool? Sounds cool. Awesome. Here we go. Ready? Yes. What's your favorite color? Blue. That's the right answer. Well done. Uh, are you are you a pet guy? Yes. Dogs, cats, birds, or other? One cat at a time. That's a good enough answer for me, too. Uh, what's your favorite food? Red meat. The blood of your victims. That's cool. All right. And finally, finally, uh, what is your stance on the 1983 sci-fi fantasy film, Kroll? Oh, uh, yeah. Colwyn wearing those watermelon pants, climbing up a cliff. You can't beat that. And the cliche of the fortress falling to pieces at the end has never been done better than the movie Kroll. I also read the... I also read the Alan Dean Foster adapt no, novelization of the film. Yes! Ding, ding, oh. ding, 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 ding. You are now Krebs' for, best friend. For those friend. of you who can't see him, uh, Krebs' face just looks like he won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I just made a new friend, and now I have yeah. four. But Do you like, own a glaive? I wish I owned a glaive. Okay, oh, no. I have a glaive uh, enamel pin. Okay, that that's... I, I, so that's I have pretty- that. And uh, for the 4th of July, my sister got some of those, like, glow uh, – not not sticks, but, like, the things that become, like, yeah. necklaces, the glow tubes, you know? And in this year's pack, they included a disc-like object that had you put the tubes in in a sinuous pattern that formed the freaking glaive. That's awesome. You know, you cannot reach into molten lava unless you're reaching for a glaive. 
Uh, yes, yes. Okay, okay. So so we're not going to get into it right now. But the point is, I'm an enormous Kroll fan. I'm like, I'm working behind the scenes on a docu-series. Uh, my brother, my sister, and I are working. Like, we have been uh, slowly creating a treatment of, of Kroll theory for a trilogy and a reboot. Like, Kroll, I think Kroll is one of the most underappreciated IPs of all time. I love it. Did you, j- just out of curiosity, did you see it in theaters? Yes, I did. Oh, because we are yep. men of a certain age. <laughs> yep, first release at the Kaysville Theater, actually. Holy moly, 1983. July, 19, July 27th, cool. 1983. You'll have to pardon me. Uh, no, 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 29th, that. 29th. I looked it up today. I'm not that I looked it up today. The details, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sharp on my curl stuff. July 29th, which means Daniel, we have to have an anniversary episode again. I think we need to <laughs> we need to have this happen. It's going to happen. There it is. There no. it is. A 3D print design and I can 3D print it. Yes. I think that so in other words, you know what you're getting me for Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> Craig, thank you once again for being on the show. You're a super swell guy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a Kroll fan. There is a future for you and me on this podcast. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Yes, yes. Okay, folks, uh, check out Terrifying Lies because it will terrify you. It's great storytelling at its best. Uh, Check out Craig's other stuff, his his books. Uh, They're wonderful. I have a, a huge collection of them myself. They actually sit up on my shelf. With other awesome names, but I won't say them because we're talking about Craig and he's just as awesome. <laughs> uh, games are fu- fantastic. The Gangrene Comedy Festival is amazing as long as it doesn't rain. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's it's tons of fun. I've been there multiple years now. Um, it is outdoors. They give it their all. There are accents. There are there's craziness abound. Sometimes there's random things thrown out into the crowd, like a, a gun or uh, chopsticks and other crazy things. But again, fake gun, not real gun. Um, check out his stuff if you if you're in the area. Check out the Gang Green Comedy Festival, especially since it's a spaghetti western, because that's even more amazing than anything. Um, also. There's also the freestyle gargoyles, which uh, Craig didn't mention, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, Authors come in, they read stories, and uh, Craig and his band is playing music in the background, and they're just winging it. It's all freestyle, which is amazing. So uh, Craig is the Renaissance man, like Craig said. So check out his stuff. Support uh, him and his writing and his music and everything else because you definitely want more uh, coming from him. So with that said... We're out of here and always choose the high ground. Hey, Daniel. What? Did I tell you that my wife and I haven't been to the gym in over a year? No. Yeah, our relationship just isn't working out. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think that may have been a good one. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you find at the bottom of the lake? I have no clue. Just a bunch of bastards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll to add that joke to my database. database. Oh. oh my gosh. That was oh awesome. my gosh. All right, guys. Well, uh, whether you're telling terrifying lies or whatever the heck this just was, always remember to be epic. And don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you. Always.